ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 19 of the GameCube's Cool Podcast. My name is Neil Gilbert, and you are joining me once again for one of these lovely back-of-the-case segments where I read the back-of-the-case of all the games that we're going to be talking about prior to the episode, so we don't have to break up the flow. I will be reading eight cases right now, saving the ninth game for the episode. That's a surprise. You'll hear it later. Now... I can silently hear my mom and girlfriend judging me since I didn't take my allergy meds today and I'm feeling the effects right now, but I'm going to try and power through this the best I can, and hopefully it sounds okay by the end. Now, without further ado, let's get started. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case, let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. WWE WrestleMania X8 World Wrestling Entertainment presents The Showcase of the Immortals All New Superstars High Flying TLC Matches 3D Through a Table NWO Invasion No Escape the Cage WWE Crush Hour It's like the Jackie Chan Rush Hour Very cute Layeth the Rubber Down Over 30 WWE Supercars Vehicular Mayhem WWE Has Taken Over TV Finishing weapons. Multiple match types. There's going to be a lot of incomplete sentences in this episode, I can already tell. WWE WrestleMania XIX, which is 19 for those of you that don't know Roman numerals. Where superstars become legends. Realistic superstar attributes. New story mode with 25 missions. Sabotage Vince Empire outside the ring. Robust gameplay with strong and weak grapples. I thought it said graphics for a second, that would have been funny. WWE Day of Reckoning, the story mode that turns a rookie's dream into a superstar's reality. School of Hard Knocks, take your created superstar up the ranks in a completely original story mode that starts you in the minor leagues of the sports entertainment to WWE Velocity and Heat, and all the way to the big time of WWE programming. New Superstar Momentum Shift, turn the tables on your opponent when they least expect it. WWE Legends, bra and panties, don't blame me, that's what it says. WWE Day of Reckoning 2. The line between friend and foe is not always clear. This time, trust no one. Features improved graphics. See the emotion on each WWE superstar's face like never before and experience all new beyond broadcast camera angles. New and longer story mode. Now a proven force in the WWE. Take your created superstar on a continuing journey of deception and vindication. Enhanced fighting systems. Exclusive skill-based submission system, all-new stamina system, improved AI tactics, and new assisted defense system allow for more realistic matches. New WWE legends, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mankind, Brett, The Hitman, Hart, and The Rock. Not the same as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as we all know. Continuing storylines, new WWE legends, all-new stamina system. Moving on from the WWE, now when I was a kid it was the WWF, which was then, I guess, confused with World Wildlife Foundation, so now I have to deal with saying WWE, which is for me a lot harder to say. Let's move on to Legends of Wrestling. The mania is about to begin all over again. Grapple with 42 of the greatest wrestlers of all time, including Hulk Hogan, Bret Hitman Hart, Jerry the King Lawler, Terry Funk, The Road Warriors, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, or Snuka, Rob Van Dam, Ted by Bayas, George the Animal Steely, and many more. I'm not editing that. Revolutionary intermediate start position system allows gamers to link moves together for lethal single button combinations and superior gaming. First ever create a legend allows for the deepest wrestler customization in the history of wrestling video games. 
never-before-in-depth career guidance by wrestling's greatest managers, Captain Lou Albano and the Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart. That's a great nickname. All new interactive wrestler entrances with announcer introductions, crowd responses, and authentic grappler taunts. Legends of Wrestling 2. The Mania is back. They love that mania. Over 65 legends. They love those legends. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Bruno Sammarantino, Big Papa Pump, <laughs> Scott Steiner, Sid Vicious, Eddie Guerrero, New Match Types, 6 and 8 Man Tag, Ladder, Cage, and Battle Royale, All New Storyline Career Mode and Expanded Create a Legend, Battle Intergender Heavyweight Champion Andy Kaufman, UFC Throwdown. A brand new, robust career mode where you create and train your fighter as he grounds and pounds his way into the UFC. Over 25 real UFC fighters, including current light heavyweight champion Tito Ortiz. How can you be a light heavyweight? Eight-player tournament mode features single elimination matches against your friends where it's put up or shut up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that just about does it for the Back of the Case segment for this episode. I thank you so much for listening. This was a short one, only five minutes compared to the NFL debauchery, which was closer to ten minutes. Now, I'm going to go take an allergy med and probably go to bed. So, future Mike and Neil, hit us with episode 19. But first, Victor, let's hear that sweet jingle. The GameCube, GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So, Mike, I was just in the shower, and uh, had a, I had a, a shower thought that I think most of the listeners can probably relate to. Um, I think if it weren't for penguins, the dragonfly would be my, my favorite animal of all time. Mm, okay, yeah, dragonflies are pretty cool. I'm a big dragonfly fan, but uh, but why why in your case? For me, I think it's just because of the large quantity of mosquitoes that they consume on a daily basis. I absolutely despise mosquitoes. The average dragonfly, I was reading about dragonflies this morning, so that's probably why this shower <laughs> thought came to me. But uh, no, the average dragonfly eats like like hundreds of mosquitoes a day. And I think if, if we could just wipe all the mosquitoes off the planet as soon as possible, I think we would be able to uh, move forward as a species quite a bit sooner. Do you think there's anyone who's like pro-life mosquitoes? I don't know. Like, yeah, that's the thing is there's always a group of people that are just adamant supporters of some type of creature. If it has a if it has a mind or a soul, they have to absolutely this animal cannot die. But there might be pro-life mosquito people out there. I don't know. Um, I don't want to meet them, to be honest. No, I think we need to invent a dragonfly that can also consume them. <laughs> but <laughs> no, that, like, like dragonflies are so cool, man. Like just the way they move, the way they look. They have like a thousand eyes on each one of their eyeballs. Their predators are pretty few. Like, I mean, like they get eaten by birds, but I guess that's an issue for most bugs. Also, wasps apparently can eat them too, which is kind of messed up. Wasps can eat dragonflies? I think it's like big wasps yeah. from other countries. <laughs> like the kind of messed up countries that we don't want to go to. But that's just another reason why I absolutely hate wasps too they're in the same camp as mosquitoes i think we they're just... dicks oh yeah. dude wasps will just attack you for no reason see bees are cool especially bumblebees oh, yeah. i love bumblebees because they're full of pollen 
Of course. Uh, and so they, they're just like flying around, barely able to like make it up to like head level for you. So yeah. if you get stung by a bumblebee, that's that's your fault. You, you did to, that. You have to definitely try. Bees are super <laughs> cool. Like I just the way that how big they are and how small their their wings are. I think that's really funny. I think that my love for dragonflies probably dates back to uh, 1977, which was long before I was even born. But there's uh, the Disney classic, The Rescuers. I don't know if you know this film. Oh yeah, that's that's like that's kind of the beginning. That's usually what people mark as like the beginning of Disney's dark era. Yes, absolutely, and it's a very dark movie too. But uh, there's a there's a dragonfly in that movie. His name is uh, Evenrude, which is a very strange name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but he I, I remember that watching that movie as a kid and absolutely loving this character that couldn't talk, yet he was voiced or I guess designed by Jimmy McDonald, who's like a sound effects artist for Disney back oh. in the day. He worked on a ton of movies like Snow White, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Peter Pan. Cool. But yeah, kind of neat. But he made the sound effect for this dragonfly, which is kind of cool. And a really good character. Great. Very animated. He wore a turtleneck, if I remember correctly. So <laughs> very, very cool. Very cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. They always had like funny characters like that. And the rescuers mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of those like the what, Dark Cauldron and, and that kind of series, I always associate that with not Disney, funny enough. I always think those are like Don Bluth. Or yeah. like Rankin and Bass uh, movies instead. Yeah, like the like the classic film, The Last Unicorn. Mm, of course, because like lump those together. it's funny, like the how '80s animation was very similar in that way. They were all kind of like this, they went these weird, like different paths, and definitely were trying different things, which is why I think a lot of those movies are very critically acclaimed, but that failed like massively commercially. Yeah, they all they all kind of have a similar art style to them. That's why they all kind of mesh together. I mm-hmm. think that animation has almost always been like that. Like even now, like if you look at a DreamWorks movie, a Disney movie, and a Pixar movie, they all look really similar. I can't tell the difference between them anymore. Like I watched Coco oh, yeah. a couple nights ago, and like I, I didn't know that was Pixar until I was like, oh, yeah, right, this is Pixar. I thought it was just Disney, but <laughs> I don't know. They all get lumped together for me too now. So yeah. I think eventually people are going to look back on this era and think, oh, this is like the, like the Don Bluth and the Disney and stuff like that. I think Pixar and D- DreamWorks are all going to have the same issue probably but anyway this is a gaming podcast we should probably talk about some of the recent news that came out this week uh the ps5 and the xbox one had a bit of a reveal event which was very exciting mm-hmm. seeing the ps5 logo which to me is unbelievable i don't know about you but i think that ps5 logo is just just so innovative well yeah they they've they've they, they really do reinvent themselves with every generation don't mm-hmm. they with those logos changing the four to five <sighs> genius who would have thought genius. remember remember with the ps3 when they tried the spider-man font Yep. <laughs> and that that was there for like less than a year, I like think. Like a day. Yeah, and they quickly scrapped that. But yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the the PS5, PS, uh, and Xbox One Series X, whatever the hell. Um, they're coming out very soon. They're both launching November 10th with the Xbox and November 12th with the PS4. Uh, the PS5 is going to, I'm sorry, PS5. God damn it. That's going to take some getting used to. Uh, I love that both- the PS5 is two days later. It's yeah. just like, yeah, no, like, just just wait two days and you'll see. Maybe they need those extra two days to uh, <laughs> to let the paint dry or something. Who knows? Uh, yeah, they're pretty pricey. Uh, the PS5 is going to be launching with the disc version for $629.99. It'll be the digital-only version with no disc drive for $499.99. The Xbox Series X is going to be a little bit cheaper at $599.99 with the Series S also coming out. That's going to cause no confusion for $379.99. The Series S is a little bit less powerful than the Series X. Uh, and then game prices looks like it's going to be going up to about eighty nine ninety nine for certain games new. So that's great, about ten dollars more Canadian. Uh, both consoles will be up for pre order on September twenty second. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be. This is an interesting generation for games uh, coming up. I don't know what's going to happen because there's so many different things. But we don't want to get too roped into that because you know we are talking about the the best generation. 
That's right, Mike. This is episode 19 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We're a weekly podcast. We go live every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast services, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're going to keep saying that because it's definitely true. You can follow us. Some, someone try and stop us. Yeah, I, I, I dare you. Come at me. Oh, we can take you on, no doubt. You can follow us on Instagram at the GameCube pod. That's the only social media platform we are on. Last week, we covered Animal Crossing on the Nintendo GameCube. If you haven't checked out that episode yet, I highly suggest you go back. Back. It's a fantastic episode. But before we get into this episode, Mike, uh, we got a few positive reviews on our, our podcast for the one of the. I mean, like, I think this feels like the first time to me. But uh, why don't you uh, why don't you read a few of those uh, reviews for us before we get started? Yeah. So I discovered the other day accidentally that Apple Podcasts has a lot of different. They're basically different pages depending on what country you're in, and so just by changing the slash ca to slash uh, usa or slash um, uh, GB oh. slash AU. Uh, I found all these different uh, versions of our podcast, and there's different scores and different ratings. Someone on the US side gave us a one star. Oh, so oh, screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, is it anonymous? Yeah, it's anonymous. Don't worry, we'll track them down. Oh yeah, absolutely. Screw those guys. Yeah. Did but, they? Did uh, those guys leave a review? No, they didn't. Uh-huh. I wanted the review. I wanted to be able to like yeah, that call any, them out. That doesn't do us any good if you're just giving us a one star. Be but... constructive with your feedback, please. please. <laughs> a little so, flight of the Concords <laughs> reference for you. So yeah, uh, we got some from Australia, U.S., Canada, and U.K. So I'll start with the Canadian one. Uh, this is this comes to us from Cameron Watts, who says, "Fun to hear others' experiences with my, some of my favorite games. Also, a great way to learn about other games I can add to my collection." Lots of games I look forward to you guys getting to. So, and, oh yeah, and the, the 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 review title is GameCube is great. Well, I I think we think it's cool. Yeah. I, it's obviously <laughs> great, but we're just saying that it's still cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, they get they get the reference. That's good. And we do not know Cameron Watts, so that, that's no. it's, it's fun to hear reviews from people who aren't like our friends, <laughs> right? From UK, we have Pepe the Great, Ooh. who titled his review "Lockdown Nostalgia," which is uh, very fair in this time. Yep. Hooked up my GameCube over lockdown and fancied uh, some recommendations so I can track down some games I might have missed back in the day. Really enjoy this podcast. Keep up the good work, lads. Very British sounding yes. uh, review. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Pepe. That's fantastic. Glad, yeah, you're enjoying the, glad you're enjoying the podcast while you go back to all those classics. Hopefully you're not getting price gouged like everyone else is on eBay right now. Right. Ugh. From Australia all the way down under. Good day, mate. We, ha- we have Retro Ryan 93. 93 is a great year. Good year. Mm-hmm. And, Maybe he's uh, 93 years old. <laughs> That's the other possibility. And his review title is Great Podcast, Guys. This podcast is exactly what I needed. I'm aiming for the full PAL GameCube collection. Ooh. I have most of the pricier titles, but when you have to pay £189 for Frogger Beyond or £300 for Gadget Racers, <laughs> I've had a few sleepless nights. Is Gadget Racers, I don't remember t- talking about or uh, like looking at that game yet. Is that a Canadian game? North American? I, th- I think Gadget Racers may be a PAL game. Okay. Oh, well, good luck to you, Ryan from down Ryan from down under. And then Ryan actually has a question for us too. He says, "What would you say your most expensive slash precious game is in your GameCube collection?" I still have my Christmas present, the Indigo GameCube that came with the Simpsons Hit and Run. Best Christmas ever! Exclamation mark. Keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to the next one. Most expensive game in my collection. That's hard to say because most of the games that I bought that were like expensive were 
less than $80. I haven't spent more than 80 bucks on a GameCube game yet. And, and, but the prices have gone up. That's the thing is, I don't... yeah. So I guess if you like, if you like, so I can answer it in okay. terms of like what I know is, I guess, probably my most precious game. Sure. What I, I would say is the Zelda collection, the, um, not the Master Quest collection, but the other one, the one that has a big not for resale on it. That game is really special to me because it was one of the first games, uh, it, it was the first game technically I ever got for the GameCube because mm. it came with the, my GameCube. And it's um it's an awesome collection and it's worth like used it's about goes for a hundred hundred twenty dollars now so mm-hmm. and new that thing goes for really expensive when it's sealed so but you yeah. opened it like a chump uh, yes like a chump <laughs> <laughs> what about you Neil uh, the most expensive game I have like I said I haven't gone back and looked at prices of anything I own I don't own anything limited edition or anything like you do so but the most expensive game I think that we've looked at that I own is Simpsons Hit and Run. Um, interesting yeah canadian i think that game was going for 100 bucks if i remember correctly and that was the most expensive game i think we've talked about that i have i have a lot of the games we've talked about but none of them were more than 100 bucks that's fair i had slash have nhl 2k3 which is apparently a really expensive game as i found out the other day when we went to a local game store yeah uh it's 150 dollars they were selling it for (laughs) yeah and I got it for zero dollars, but I think I might have thrown it out, what? <laughs> or or just gotten rid of it. I don't know. Like NHL two K three, why would I even have that? It was by far the worst of the EA versions, right? In terms of like EA versus two K. So oh no, I've never thought about throwing away a game. I don't. I definitely didn't throw it out, but I probably donated it okay. or like just traded it in. Makes sense. So, yeah, fair enough. Well, hopefully uh, next week we'll have even more reviews to talk about. But uh, yeah, those are some of the reviews, positive reviews that we got from uh, from everyone. No negative reviews. I'm hoping for some negative. Oh, so we're we going to read negative reviews. You know we're going to read negative reviews. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I want. Yeah, That's so. going to be far more entertaining and slightly worse on our, uh, on our, on our <laughs> what's it called? Brand. I was going to say self-esteem, but yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get into the episode at large here. We have the wrestling games on the Nintendo GameCube. Now, wrestling games have a very deep history with video games. Um, They started off quite a while ago, probably in the 80s when the WWF was founded. Not to be confused with the World Wildlife Foundation. So yeah, so I always thought, this is a a true story, I thought they were the same thing as a kid. (laughs) Like, no, no joke. So I thought that, like, there was, they did stunts where they, like, would wrestle pandas. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> like th- for like a seven eight year old that sure. just makes sense that's what you would think of it's like wwf animals wwf wrestling they wrestle pandas got it done makes sense i guess <laughs> not not exactly there they are two separate foundations or organizations if you will i guess we can get into this now the world wildlife foundation <laughs> for those of you that don't know is founded in night you can read about this on wikipedia there's it goes deep but at just surface level wwf the Wildlife Foundation was founded in 1961, whereas the Wrestling Foundation was founded in 1979-slash-1980. Hey, everybody. Future Neil here. Just to correct past Neil's stupidity, the World Wrestling Federation is not a foundation. It would be a corporation, since they're not a charity. Back to the show. Uh, in 1979, they agreed to share the initials with each other. Uh, the only agreement was that they couldn't use, like, the Wrestling Foundation couldn't use the logo internationally. Which, mm. in 2001, eventually, like, after, I'm, I'm guessing years and years, the Wrestling Foundation probably didn't care about that agreement. Uh, <laughs> so in 2001, uh, an English court ruled the logo in favor of the Wildlife Foundation. In two, the, October 2001, same year, the Wrestling Foundation filed an appeal. By May of 2002, Wrestling changed their website and stock ticker from WWF to the now-known WWE. 
so it's it's probably a lot of lawsuit or court hearings and things like that back and forth. Again, we don't need to get too deep into that no. today. But um, and like, there's also the fact too that there was. Uh, I mean, you're probably going to talk about this, but mm-hmm. back in the day, there was a lot of different wrestling organizations. Yes, uh, it wasn't just WWE who kind of controlled everything. It was, you know, there's WCW and WO, and like Ring of Honor kind of still exists today. But uh, it was a uh, it was a pretty like varied field, I guess, for for wrestling, which kind of made those games back in the day for SNES and N64 really fun. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I we'll get to it with the the first batch of games, the Legends of Wrestling games. That's where I kind of learned that like that game has a whole bunch of um, different mm-hmm. organizations in one. Whereas when I was a kid, I only really knew about the WWF. But in 2003, the wrestling the wrestling league was uh, limited. They limited the approval of the WWF logo into all of their existing content, but new media such as apparel, figures, games, DVDs had to use the WWE logo. Mm-hmm. What I learned was that the WWF or WWE is not a league. I always thought it was like the NFL or the NBA. <laughs> I, just as a kid, that's what I thought, right? Yeah, fair. Like, no, no, totally. No, but they're they're just a media company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Started by Vince McMahon, or uh, President Vince McMahon, or whatever he is. Yeah, that's correct. So now, in uh, in modern day, the WWF means the Wildlife Foundation, and <laughs> WWE means the Wrestling Foundation. And w- before we get started, we should probably, Mike, I think we should also let the fans know that, obviously, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and The Rock are two separate people. Well, yeah, someone came up to me uh, the other day and was actually telling me that uh, they thought Dwayne The Rock Johnson... Or sorry, Dwayne Johnson mm-hmm. and The Rock mm. were the same person, which obviously I lost. Yeah, why would you think that? Yeah, because Dwayne Johnson is the actor, right? Who you've seen in many films, like such the, Tooth as the Fast and Furious uh, franchise, The Tooth Fairy. Uh, while The Rock, mm-hmm. whose name I don't know what The Rock's name is. I think he was born as The Rock. I think that's what he was. I think that's what his birth certificate said. And The Rock is uh, a wrestler who's been, and also was a Canadian football player. Fun fact, right? But, um, uh, yeah, so, you know, The Rock is obviously a different person than Dwayne Johnson. Uh, you know, they do look a little similar if mm-hmm. you put them beside each other. It's kind of saying, like, Dave Grohl and the drummer of Nirvana look similar. Yeah. But it's, uh, again, two separate people, yeah. and, um, yeah. Glad we could get that sorted out before we started this episode, just to make sure there's no confusion. But, Mike, where, where do you stand with wrestling games? Did you play Do you play them, or did you play them back in the day uh, on, a, on the GameCube or maybe something before that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think every kind of teenage, younger, like, boy, especially, got wrestling games for Christmas or was really into wrestling. I definitely was into wrestling as a kid, and uh, I really loved The Undertaker. That was my favorite. But um, I I did play a lot of wrestling games at friends' houses. It was a classic older brother, you know, thing. They have these games. I wasn't allowed to have them because they were too violent or whatever. Uh, I played them on the N64 mostly, and I think that's the, the generation that people remember the best, is the N64 games for wrestling. I know uh, Harrison's going to come on this podcast from the show. Harrison, uh, he's going to come on later this episode and, and talk about uh, these games, but mostly he'll he's going to want to bring up WCW uh, versus NWO Revenge, which is usually cited as one of the best wrestling games ever. And I played that too as a kid, and that's a really good game because the late N64 era for wrestling was just the peak of like arcadiness mm-hmm. meets, uh, you know, somewhat realism. Because I think wrestling games were a very big thing at arcades, at actual arcades in the in the late 80s and early 90s, and uh, from that you kind of had these 
more polished, more realistic, in quotes, games that came to the, the N64 and then later the GameCube. Yeah, that late N64, early GameCube generation, I think, is considered the golden era of wrestling games, just with the, the mm-hmm. level of realism mixed with arcadiness, like you said, and then also the we always talk about, like with Tony Hawk, with the customization of the, the characters that you could do was just unreal. Yes. Oh, that was huge, yeah. and and the fact that every like like these games were usually fully licensed, like you right. had everything in there, and you had all the walk up songs too. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it was incredible, like what they could put into it, and all the characters from the actual WWF in there. Like I remember, uh, same thing as you, I I mainly played the N sixty four versions of these games, so I never I never owned them. I uh, I mainly rented them from Blockbuster, and it didn't matter which <laughs> one. Uh, like if WrestleMania was there, we played WrestleMania. It's like two thousand. I think the main one we rented was WWF No Mercy. I think that was the one that we rented the most. Yeah, that's that's usually considered one of the best games as yeah, well. Yeah, and that's the one that I own. I, I bought, I think I went to Value Village near our house. We had like a thrift store, and I think I bought like three or four N64 games at once. They were all wrestling games, and they were each eight bucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, like th- these are all the games I played as kids, so I might as well just get yeah, them all yeah. now, and they were cheap, so... But yeah, that, that's kind of where I stand. I don't think I've played any of the GameCube uh, wrestling games, even... We, we played one, Wink, oh, Wink 1 of these yes, games. of course, that's right. We have played one mystery <laughs> wrestling game that we will get to later in this podcast. That's correct. Where do wrestling games stand now in terms of, like, current day, you know, 2020? Like, like No, it's like, that's the thing. It's like it, that era seems to be long gone. I don't know what it is. Every year there's a new 2K wrestling game or a WWE 2K, I guess this year it'll be 21. Um, but and they're always so broken. Yeah. Like I'm sure you've seen oh, yeah. the like the footage of them. I, I've I've I played the UFC ones because uh, those were kind of fun. Those are more realistic and like it would make sense. But um, the wrestling ones, the WWE ones, are just. But awful every year they come out of... just like FIFA and just like Madden. It's, I know it's... someone's buying them, and they come out on Switch too, which is hilarious. Like they're broken on PS4 and Xbox and PC, and then a Switch version comes out too. It's <laughs> worse. But we got WWE 2K. 12 or 13 when we were in in university Mm -hmm. and uh that was fun because it was just like couch co-op all four of us were just in like in like the ring of death uh uh, and like cage matches and stuff (laughs) like doing the ladder uh the ladder (laughs) so like that was really fun just to sit around and be able to play it and like those games definitely like i'm sure people do buy them but it is really strange that like a new one comes out all the time and there's also WWE Battlegrounds too, which is like the That's more arcadey though, uh, right? That one? Yeah, that's the arcadey version of it, I guess. But it's like, really? Like why wouldn't you just make one game? Yeah, and just like make this a mode in your actual game. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, let, let's get into the games now that we're on GameCube. So starting with uh let's start with Legends of Wrestling One, which was released on May twenty seventh, two thousand two. Developer, we have Acclaim Studios, Salt Lake City coming back. Oh, I just keep hearing they Acclaim. They keep popping their head up, and we're going to find out why they were shut down. Uh, this game was also published by Acclaim, also released on PS2 and Xbox. This game reviewed in the fives. If you wanted to pick it up today, you'd be looking at about $15. Now, Playboy did review this game. They gave it a 60%. So not not bad. We always have to know when Playboy are reviewing games. Uh, this game is based on the greatest wrestlers of all time from... These are all the, the wrestling... Uh, organizations don't ask me what each one stands for but we have the wwe the nwa the wcw the wccw the awa the ecw and various independent promotions so just to put it into perspective how many wrestling organizations there were as of 2002 Mm -hmm. but i looked at gameplay of this game and oh my god it's rough yeah it's rough yeah it's Mm -hmm. uh so i i these games were kind of the the games before you know the smackdown versus raw games 
right. where like that that's kind of where wrestling I, I would say hit like a second golden age for games mm-hmm. uh, because yep. you get you again kind of got everything in one um, so the idea of this was good but man yeah I I was watching gameplay I've never played Legends of Wrestling as well but gameplay is not great uh, it's uh, a lot of people online though it does have some affinity online. Hmm. But uh, it, a lot of people say it's so bad it's good. <laughs> oh, okay. It's one of those games. No. Yeah, we like those games too, but yeah. Um... Like it says, like, well, nowhere near quality of most other wrestling games. A surprising number of old school fans still enjoy um, the, both the installments of the series uh, as it's so cheesy. It's kind of helped mm, okay. to the intention to detail in the old school territories. It's also one of the only games to include wrestlers such as Harley Race, Bam Bam Bigelow, and uh, Bigelow, and uh, Dynamite Kid. So if you're interested oh, okay. in any of those wrestlers... Uh, Legends of Wrestling 1 and 2 are the games for you. Well, yeah, Legends of Wrestling 2 was released that same year on November 26th. Uh, so let's see, how many months is that? May is the 5th, no, November is the So six months later, almost to the day, Legends of Wrestling 2 came out, which was also developed by Acclaim Studios, Salt Lake City, published by Acclaim. This game was also released on the Game Boy Advance, but it would have been developed by a different studio, uh, PS2 and Xbox. This one reviewed a little bit better in the 6s and 7s range, it's slightly cheaper at about 10 bucks. Um, soundtrack. Got to talk about mm-hmm. soundtracks in video games. This one, dude, this was so early 2000s rock. <laughs> yeah. This is so good. Yeah. It's like it's trapped earshot and glass jaw and bands like that. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like that Daredevil soundtrack, like that, that Evanescence era of music, which I actually kind of like in a way. Like it's just it's so endearing to go back to the early 2000s rock, like Three Days Grace and stuff. It's like the same kind of like soundtrack as uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. And we got to talk about Spider-Man, too, with Bonesaw. That, that, remember that wrestling scene? In Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not not in Legends of Wrestling, but no. Uh... Bonesaw was not in Legends of Wrestling, unfortunately. <laughs> but Legends of Wrestling Two contains 25 wrestlers that were not in the first game, it ex- and it ex- excludes Rob Van Dam, presumably because he had just been signed to, with a WWE contract. Yes, that is why. Yeah, which is yeah. funny. Uh, apparently, this happened to him again in 2010 mm. uh, when he for for THQ he signed on for appearance as a legend. First SmackDown versus Raw, but then signed with TNA before oh. the game was released. So <laughs> yeah, it sucks, but yeah. And it was the last game that was developed by Acclaim Salt Lake City before its closure in December of 2002. <laughs> R.I.P. Acclaim, as we always seem to talk about. <laughs> we always just we always seem to talk about like studios going under like after a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, studios go out under all the time. It's nothing new. I know, it still I know. happens, but yeah, it, it just seems like we keep talking about Acclaim closing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they keep coming up. Well. They, they tried to, they went like they went big for a lot of their games right like they put a lot of money i think into this like extreme sports um, yeah. kind of world you know wrestling kind of goes with that and uh it obviously didn't pay off for them no i mean yeah it was a, it was a place in time the extreme sports era of the early 2000s was very big on the ps2 and gamecube at the time but they put all their eggs in that basket which is unfortunate because obviously those games are not huge anymore no you mentioned the Game Boy Advance port for Legends of Wrestling. Legends of Wrestling 2. Yes, for Legends of Wrestling 2. Apparently, the Game Boy port of it is one of the worst things on Earth. Uh, I watched some footage of it. It is unplayable. That would go in our unplayable game section. So uh, if anyone is interested in Legends of Wrestling, check it out. And check it out on Game Boy Advance to see how bad this was. Just a porting disaster. And that would have been a launch game, I suppose, for the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's what you want is your launch there were some good launch games on the Game Boy Advance, man. I remember. I think I do remember a wrestling game in that launch window, so that was probably it. There were some great yep. games at the launch of the Game Boy Advance. We can talk about that another time, though. Mm-hmm. Also, Hulk Hogan on the first one, uh, on the cover. 
The second one is who's on the second one cover? Is that oh it's Hulk Hogan again? Yep, he was popular. <laughs> there was a sequel to this game which was called showdown legends of wrestling which was released in 2004 although there was no gamecube version made of that so interesting and that was not made by acclaim then i guess no i don't know who made it i didn't do any research on that it's not on the gamecube <laughs> doesn't matter i mean i was gonna say what seems to happen for a lot of these games is that acclaim or another publisher dies ea picks it up ea doesn't like nintendo ea doesn't publish for nintendo that could have been it actually yeah like that's just what my hypothesis because that seems to happen every single time ladies and gentlemen we have harrison tim friend of the show coming on today's episode all about wrestling harrison is a big wrestling fan from back in the day harrison how are you i am doing well uh mike and neil thank you for having me once again uh, on the show yes uh that is correct i I was a big wrestling fan back in the day. Not as much anymore, but, you know, sometimes I, I go on, on Reddit and just, uh, you know, check up on things and, you know, see what's going on in, in the wrestling world. Um, but, yeah, growing up, I was a, a huge fan. And this is also, you, I believe this is like your fifth or sixth visit on the GameCube Was Cool podcast, making you our most, uh, you're our most consistent guest. You're almost like the unofficial third chair of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. How do you feel about uh, holding this title now? Well, hopefully I can maintain it. I do like that unofficial official member title, almost like uh, <laughs> Nigel Godridge of, of Radiohead. You know, not the official member, but, you know, he's he's always there. But Yeah, you're not ready to commit yet. You're like the henna tattoo of the punk world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, uh, I have commitment issues so this is probably the longest committed relationship i've ever been in is with uh the gamecube school <laughs> podcast so glad we could be your uh, your casual friend with benefits we we're happy to we're happy to support mm-hmm. a friend so let's just uh, dive right into the wrestlemania games on the nintendo gamecube we have here wwe wrestlemania x8 was released on june 9th 2002 developed by ukes published by thq this was a gamecube exclusive reviewed in the six to seven range if you wanted to pick it up today you're looking at about 15 dollars then we had wwe crush hour was released on march 17th 2003 developed by pacific coast power and light which sounds like a utilities company but it's not <laughs> published by thq also on ps2 uh and the xbox version version was canceled reviews in the fives priced at about 30 bucks sounds like a must miss wwe wrestlemania 19 was released on september 8th 2003 developed again by ukes published by thq this is another gamecube exclusive reviews in the sevens and eights priced at about 30 dollars then we had wwe day of reckoning was released on august 30th 2004 once again developed by ukes published by thq this is another gamecube exclusive reviews in the eights and priced at about 20 dollars and then we had wwe Day of Reckoning 2 was released on August 29th, 2005. Developed again by Ukes, published THQ, GameCube exclusive, reviewed in the 8s, priced at $20. It's like they released the same game twice. <laughs> and that pretty much puts us at all the WWE, WrestleMania, and whatnot games on the GameCube. So guys, let's uh, let's dive right in here. We'll jump back to where we started with WWE, WrestleMania X8. They almost went with Roman numerals, and then they decided not to. <laughs> So Harrison mentioned to me that this this is how WrestleMania was branded, uh, f- like for this, like the actual WrestleMania event, which I didn't know. That's yeah, weird. WrestleMania 18 was actually in Toronto as well too that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool at the at the Sky Dome or now known as the Rogers Center. But yeah, that's how they branded mm-hmm. it. Was it, it was... full? Was it a full like sixty thousand people? Oh, it had to be. Oh yeah, it was it was full. Yeah. I could look it up right now. Yeah, sixty sixty eight thousand people wow. were there. That's so crazy. the big. The big thing about it was it was icon versus icon. So what they did was the matches were like The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, I believe it was Steve Austin versus like Scott Hall or Stone Steve Cold. Nash. Stone Cold. 
it was like uh, it was kind of like legends versus oh yeah the Undertaker versus Ric Flair so mm-hmm. it was kind of like these legends versus like these up and up and coming legends so. and and we should ask this before you go on uh, Harrison who is your favorite wrestler from this era ooh the Attitude Era see I don't know like they were all so good. Because I mentioned earlier on the show before you came on that my favorite is Undertaker. I love Undertaker. I think he's still performing, too. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> How many steroids has he taken <laughs> to maintain that career? The thing with Undertaker, too, like, I don't know. I think it was recently, but that man was, like, undefeated at WrestleMania as well, too. Like, that guy, again, this is dating back to 18, WrestleMania 18, and what it was that, like, 2000, you just said it, 2002? Yeah. So, yeah, that guy's been been around for, for a while. He's like the Keith Richards of wrestling. <laughs> he looks like but, um Favorite wrestler? Hmm. Um, growing up, like, I was a big, uh, a big Undertaker fan as well, too. Not, like, as much of his biker phase, but when he was kind of more of, like, the dead man came back from the dead mm-hmm. um, type persona. Um, was a big fan of, of Shawn Michaels as well, too. The heartbreak kid. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with The Rock either, but I think Stone Cold was like, I don't know, he was just the best, right? Like, he was just, he was just the biggest asshole. Like, like he defined the Attitude Era. Like, he was Attitude, right? Yeah, I remember being in fourth grade. Like, I think that was when wrestling for me was probably biggest, was when I was like eight or nine sort of thing. And I just remember... Um everyone was either a rock kid or a stone cold kid and like not many undertaker fans i remember but i just for some reason in my group of friends that i knew everyone either played as again i played on the n64 versions of these games for the most part which were made by uh, aki corporation i'll talk about that in a second but uh, this was the first time ukes made a wwe game on a nintendo platform but uh, yeah i remember stone cold steve austin or the rock being like the the nsync and the backstreet boys of the wrestling world at the time <laughs> that's exactly it and <laughs> Yeah, and like there was other great ones too. Like I was a big Rey Mysterio fan as well. Loved me some Rob Van Dam as well. Like Diamond Dallas Page. Like they each one had like their own like unique you know attributes to them and like why you like them. But I don't know. Rey Mysterio was also I would I'd probably put them him up there as well too. I just kind of like the the cruiser weights. You know, very relatable, very high flying, very entertaining. See, I, I like the Undertaker because of the games. Funny enough, because the Undertaker was really fun. I always enjoy playing like the the like the big guys in any kind of game and just, you know, the tanks basically. Yeah. <laughs> and like Undertaker is like the tank of like the WWE games, <laughs> you know, just, you just get hit hard. And he had some great moves as well too. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have the tombstone. Well, the, that's, the tombstone is was my favorite. Choke slam or choke slam from hell. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, clothesline from hell. He also had another one as well too. I forget the name of the move, uh, but tombstone's the only move name that I remember until you mentioned the, those oh. ones. <laughs> there was another move where he would like, kind of like drag he'd like walk on the on the top rope like almost like mm-hmm. a like a tightrope walker and then he would kind of like do like a diving clothesline on the guy i again some of the finishers are kind of weird and again that's all a part of the the wrestling experience the lore the lore oh my gosh like i i've say this all the time the wwe is the greatest soap opera of all time that's and right. it's probably the oh absolutely like the longest like running soap opera ever and it's great i'd like to see the undertaker one day a cameo in the misfits band i'd love to see him show up in the misfits as one like an like the extra bassist or something like that just just do something on stage. He looks like he belongs in their family. And on lead bass, the undertaker. <laughs> and on rhythm bass, Jerry only. Ooh, of course, I'd like to see. <laughs> I'd like to it. see Jerry Only in the Undertaker fight. <laughs> mm, I think I think Jerry Only would die. 
No, <laughs> Jer- yes. Like, yeah, Jerry only now would die. I think maybe like Jerry only back in the day, he might he might put up a fight. Yeah. But, uh, but I think yeah, Michael yeah. Graves would, would could take him though. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big Michael Graves fan. Mm-hmm. I think Danzig would die if Danzig was back in the band. <laughs> <laughs> but no, th- this is a really sweet uh, series. Like I mentioned all the games up front there, how many of them were developed by Ukes, and then all of these games being GameCube exclusive is just really cool. Like Nintendo doesn't have this exclusive wrestling franchise in their stable anymore, which is a shame. I didn't know that all these games were GameCube exclusives until we started to do the research for this episode. I mentioned earlier how the N64 generation was more of my wrestling generation. Those games were all developed by AKI Corporation who made the WWF SmackDown games, which are more of the games that I'm more familiar with. Uh, They were on N64 and PS1 for the the PlayStation fans out there. But uh, Ukes actually hired a bunch of former AKI employees after that uh, studio went defunct. Um, So it kind of helped keep the consistency of the SmackDown series in the the WrestleMania series on GameCube, which was kind of a nice thing to do. I, I think that was great. But yeah, um, really nice to see a GameCube exclusive franchise such as the WrestleMania X8 to continue on the the N64. Um, so did did you play X8 or 19? Uh, I guess 18 or 19, uh, Harrison. Yeah, definitely played it. I was like one of those uh, one of those guys, kind of similar to to Madden. Every time there was like a new version that would come out, I'd either rent it or or buy it. I'm originally, like, I date back, like, to Neil, where I actually played on the N64 versions as well, too. Mm-hmm. I actually had um, WCW versus NWO um, World Tour and Revenge, which yes. was also published by THQ, and the developers were, were AKI as well, too. I mentioned uh, NWO uh, in uh, a little earlier in this episode, and I, Revenge is usually regarded as m- maybe the best wrestling game ever made. Oh, it's it's one of my favorites. My my brother and I would rack up so many hours, you know, playing WCW NWO Revenge. And I guess this is something we'll lead into as well too. But the cool thing about um, you know, as Neil mentioned, like the developers going towards um, WrestleMania 18 was the big thing about WCW versus NWO Revenge was the grappling that was then I guess brought over to WrestleMania 18 as well which was really cool. And WrestleMania 18, of course, had a classic 2002 soundtrack. And what 2002 soundtrack wouldn't be complete without Limp Bizkit's rolling? I was going to say the soundtrack in this game is very much the early <laughs> 2000s rock. It's got Saliva, Rob Zombie, <laughs> Motorhead, and then, yeah, Limp Bizkit's rolling, which we've already talked about in the uh, NHL episode. Which... And it came up in another uh, game, too. Roland was in another, I think, maybe like a BMX or Tony. I think one of the Tony Hawks it's in. I feel like I feel like Fred Durst is the as the honorary third member of of the yeah, podcast. Fred, Fred Durst and uh, Body Jar. Uh, <laughs> no, Body Jar is not the same. Those two songs just keep popping up in all of these sports games. Because <laughs> I mentioned in the in the hits episode that that Roland was uh, the Undertaker's opening theme. Yes, um, when he during his biker era. So that's why. It definitely made it in there. It, it's such a great walk-up fight, I guess, fight song in this situation. It's such a great fight song. So that's NHL hits. What was the NHL 03 one? Was that Power Man 3000? Yeah, Power, Man, Power Man 5000, whose brother is Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. uh, the lead singer I found out not too Let's long ago. Let's bring this all back home. It's, yeah. it's every, everything connects in the early everything 2000s. Everything goes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> a very small, tight group of bands that showed up everywhere. Oh, so... I can't believe you mentioned Saliva. I think, isn't uh, the lead singer of Saliva, didn't he hop on with Chad Kroger to sing yes, Hero for the Spider-Man soundtrack? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Josie Scott. Josie Scott, there we go. Yeah, Josie Scott of Saliva singing Hero with Chad Kroger, one of the greatest 
songs ever written. Greatest crossover ever. Just one more <laughs> quick fact about WrestleMania 18 before we move on. This game was completed before the WWF's, uh, the World Wildlife Foundation's lawsuit with the Wrestling Federation. So there's actually early copies of this game were printed with the WWF logo in-game. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So there's the, they later on had to change it to obviously the WWE logo. Um, and also early copies of the game were released with Stone Cold Steve Austin on the cover, which was later on removed and he was replaced with The Rock. Not to be confused with Dwayne Johnson. Yes, as we already talked about. And Harrison already knows about Dwayne Johnson and The Rock are separate people. Well, Harrison's an educated young man, so obviously he knew about that. Oh, I'm well aware of that. It's probably one of my my favorite yeah. things to bring up at, at parties mm-hmm. is, is talking about, about the two. But yeah, so let's move on to 19 then, uh, because that's basically the same game made again. Well, 19 has a cool story mode, which is which is different. So kind of like like back to like Madden and everything like that. Like you know you buy the new games. Yeah, because they update a little bit of the features or some of the gameplay. But the the big thing is is the rosters, um, mm-hmm. and especially like who's in contract that year with the WWE and you know who are the big names. Obviously, that's why you buy it. But um, I guess props for for THQ for like coming up with like a new story mode for for WrestleMania 19. But it's it's really weird. Basically, after after an event, the local Yahoo, Vince McMahon, he actually fires you. And then his daughter, Stephanie, yep. um, kind of gives you the opportunity to take revenge by destroying WrestleMania 19. So what you have to do is you actually have to go through like all these all these different levels until you get to WrestleMania. But it's really weird. So the first stage is like a, a construction site where you actually have to beat up construction workers <laughs> and like legit send them to the void in order to to move forward. Like you literally just throw them off like like off of nowhere. And then I think like Kane shows up or something like that. And then you guys like have a friendly match, like who can kill the most construction workers. And then after that, you find out Goldberg's like guarding the site for some odd reason. I'm not too sure. And then you go to the mall, and then you destroy the mall. <laughs> wow. And then Stephanie McMahon, I think she gets kidnapped, if I remember correctly. And then after you have to, you're in a getaway car, and you have to destroy that opponent's car in like a parking garage and all of that. <laughs> and then at the end of the mission, you have to cross the road, and then you're clipped by a car who is turns out to be Vince McMahon. But have you noticed so far that none of these fights have been in a wrestling ring? Yes, <laughs> yes, they're all in the, in the general public where people should not be fighting like this. Um, it seems yeah. like like WWE adventures, you know, yeah, or like the, 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 the underground, the Tony Hawk underground of WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then at the very end, you actually fight Vince McMahon, and of course, he <laughs> he goes ham and is just like the toughest person that you can fight and reverses all your moves. But a lot of people were kind of thrown off by that, by that story mode, because they're just like, I think I just want to wrestle. Like I didn't want to beat yeah. people up, but yeah. It's funny that even like like not even WWE was uh, even they had to put this kind of adventure mode into their game, you know. Uh, where it was, oh, I mean, WWE games were always just like the, you know, beat-em-up games almost. You just go and start fighting. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's kind of funny that even they uh, went this route along with everyone, literally everyone, everyone else. Everyone went, Monkey Ball and Pac-Man and all these, <laughs> Star Fox, all these adventures games. Yeah, all within like a couple of years of each other and yeah. then just nothing after that. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they pulled back. And they all had Limp Biscuit on the soundtrack too. <laughs> they all had Limp Biscuit. <laughs> this soundtrack was a little bit different. Still featured Rob Zombie, but it also included Our Lady Peace. 
Mm, yeah, good Canadian, good CanCon yeah, there. Some, some CanCon. No, not wrestling music. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah, actually, that's you know what I didn't even clue into that until you just said that. But yeah, that's I, that's a weird uh, band to actually have in WrestleMania. Um, but no, this this game was pretty sweet. It had like a uh, the roster was sixty nine WWE characters between two thousand two and two thousand three. So it's a pretty big cast. It's almost the size of like Smash Bros Ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's one thing that WWE never like. They were always really good with including a ton of people obviously it changed based on licensing like harrison said but like every game always had like 20 plus wrestlers yeah i was kind of disappointed like doing the research for this episode to find a lacking of like funny characters to be in the games like how tony hawk <laughs> had like spider-man darth maul and all this uh, you know little mario character hidden in there but the you know i was like looking for wrestling games that had like spider-man characters or something but i guess since yeah. they didn't have the license behind it like activision did with all those characters it's just thq and nukes like they don't have anything else to really work from i guess <laughs> that's but, fair I've, yeah I've, i feel like you'd also piss off a lot of wrestling fans if you just threw like spider-man into the game or something like that they just be like <laughs> that's Spider-Man. not that's not part of the lore spider-man was never part of the wwe and like just get so <laughs> pissed off we did not know that yeah <laughs> but like, i mean like even just for the fun parts like just to unlock him yeah. to play in multiplayer mode would have been cool like not even spider but like rhino i don't know just like something from the universe well spider-man was a was a wrestler as we saw in the first spider-man movie and he With actually Bonesaw. fought fought bonesaw who was <laughs> macho man randy savage <laughs> I think something that's fun is that you can play as uh, Chris Benoit in all these games so far, and that's uh, ooh, yikes! That's uh, mm. that's fun. That's, that's oh fun. yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think Neil knows Chris Benoit, so I don't. I don't. I don't feel like I want to no. touch on that. Story no, we probably shouldn't touch on that. Yeah, that's that's not a good issue. So uh, let's go on to WWE Crush Hour. Uh, let's (laughs) let's do that so wwe crush hour was released on march 17th 2003 this is the game that was made by pacific coast power and light which just to give everyone a brief history of that it's also known as locomotive games it was founded in 1997 so they're monopoly yes they are (laughs) very good uh they were founded in 1997 defunct in 2008 um founded by don uh i think i'm saying that right he also yeah yeah, that's ea sports uh ea's Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, these guys also developed MX Superfly, which we've talked about, and then a bunch of hit movie tie-in games such as Ratatouille and Cars. My brother's favorite movie is Ratatouille. Oh, it's a good movie. Great movie. We'll be talking about the game at some point. He should come on for it. No, he actually hates that movie. Like, <laughs> every time I bring it up, he gets really pissed off. Oh, it's a... Long story short, I had to take him to the movies one time as a... You know, being a responsible big brother. I think my mom was trying to do something in the house, and she wanted us out. So she's like, here's some money. Go see Ratatouille with your brother. And my parents, oh, we can bring up Spider-Man again. My parents would always have to take my brother to the bathroom in the middle of all of these movies. And I remember, like, in Spider-Man, where, like, literally my dad left in the middle of the movie to take my brother to the bathroom. Because the guy gets, like, the biggest drink and then drinks it all before, like, an hour. (laughs) He's that kid. (laughs) So I take him to Ratatouille, and, of course, he does it there. And he's he's like, Harrison, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, go. And he's like, I can't go by myself. I need an adult. I'm like, I'm not going with you. And he literally sat through the whole movie holding it. <laughs> so that's why he hates. That's why he hates the movie. But interesting. Well, I mean, I didn't. I don't have any real memory of uh, WWE Crush Hour. Harrison, I don't know if you can help, but uh, this this game is basically the same plot as Cell Damage, which I think we've talked about already. Uh, Vince McMahon has control over the television networks, making WWE superstars feature on a television show. 
uh, or any commercial that he wants. The newest project is obviously called Crush Hour. It's a demolition derby style show featuring 30 WWE superstars in their own custom cars with guns uh, to enhance the destruction of the other opponent's vehicles. There's also <laughs> obviously special moves and items and whatnot which inflict uh, more damage to the other uh, aforementioned weapons. Um, WWE also features audio commentary by Jim Ross. This is a budget title game. It was released for very cheap at the time. So now, now was Jr. on the other titles? I'm trying to trying to remember, oh. Harrison. I believe Jr. I believe so. I'm trying to okay. think back. I, th- I think he is. I, I'm 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 like ninety percent sure uh, because it would be weird if this budget title just had him and no no others did. <laughs> the weird, th- uh, like just to like yeah to sum up this game. If I remember correctly, it was just like twisted metal, but yeah. shitty yeah. and wrestling. Like that's yeah. all it was. And this was like the the more even like further into like the adventure mode yeah. kind of thing, right? It's just zany, uh, wacky, ridiculous fun. It was like, yeah. like I said, a budget title, just a cheap gift to give your nephew or whatever at Christmas time. Not meant to be anything super deep, I don't think. No, no. Uh, and it's yeah, it's not. It reviewed badly. It's like got like fives. So yeah, uh, what did I say? I would not recommend this. Fives. Yeah, no, definitely not. Well, let's talk about a series that you probably should jump into. That's the WWE Day of Reckoning series. Mm -hmm. Um, So starting off with the first one, which I already said, August 30th, 2004. So Harrison, do you have a bit of of history with with this series? Yeah, the Day of Reckoning ones I I probably liked a lot more than than WrestleMania 18 and and 19. The reason being was like they kind of opened up all of the different types of matches that were available. Like they did have them in WrestleMania 18 and 19, but... I know they're just, I would think, if I remember correctly, they're just better better developed. Mm-hmm. So you had like Hell in a Cell, TLC, hardcore matches, uh, the tag team, Royal Rumble, all of that stuff as well too. And then the story mode was a lot better than WrestleMania 19 where you're just going around and, you know, just... Just destroying frontline workers, which these days does not hold up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like this one was really cool. This was like uh, like those choose your own adventure books. So you could decide if you want to go to the to the SmackDown right. roster or the Raw roster, and say Raw roster, <laughs> fast. Um, so you decide to go to one of those, and then based on your answers, it kind of navigates you through through the story, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, this is kind of like when we were talking on the Tony Hawk episode about how underground, how it would be nice if you could have picked your team to be either on the BAM team or the Tony Hawk team. Uh, this this game actually lets you do that. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and then both games actually tie together, uh, whereas if when you uh, jump into WWE Day of Reckoning 2, the story continues from the original Day of Reckoning game. Uh, it, it, it picks off assuming that your character um, was the top of the Raw roster. So it's not like modern games where like games like Mass Effect kind of know automatically what your choice were that this series since they they didn't have that technology at the time they just had to assume what players went with so that's kind of neat how it continued on and you got to choose which team you'd be on Mm -hmm. and uh, on the cover of day of reckoning we have trish stratus down in the cover i think this is the first wrestling game that has a female on the cover interesting seven-time women's champion exactly stratus Mm -hmm. with triple h and randy orton on the side there and uh yeah i actually remember this game this is probably one of the games i did play uh, because I remember when you we were talking about the story, I kind of was having a bit like some flashbacks to it. Uh, I remember playing Hell, Hell in a Cell uh, a lot. Hell in a Cell is great. Yeah, that that's one of my favorites uh, to play. And uh, yeah, the story mode of this game was actually like relatively well done, like you said. And I, I from what I researched, this game has pretty decent reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and also, like, I think this is a good time to talk about it. Again, another only for GameCube title for both of these, Day of Reckoning, Day of Reckoning 2. 
Neil, yep. did you find anything of why there were so many uh, GameCube exclusive wrestling games, even as far as 2005, where the GameCube was, you know, probably on its last legs in terms of like sales? They knew it was going to do well, and it was still getting these wrestling exclusives. So yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 sure why. Like Nintendo didn't own Ukes as a developer, they certainly didn't own THQ as a publisher. So I, I don't know like why what the agreement was for these. There were st- like I was questioning myself like were there no wrestling games on PS2? But like because like GameCube was getting all of these WWE mm-hmm. games, but no, there there were games going out to PS2 and not GameCube. So. Yeah, because these are like like things like Day of Reckoning are are critically acclaimed games that probably a lot of people have never played. You know, so it's kind of you know it's kind of too bad because obviously there's so many bad wrestling games. Uh, you know, now in, in that PS3 era, so. Yeah, the only thing I know is that it's a Japanese video game developer, so I guess there probably were relationships made with Nintendo to make exclusive wrestling games back in the 2000s. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. And then after, I guess, 2005, that was the last one they made, so there must have been some some kind of agreement. I guess they could only make, you know, four or five wrestling games, and then that was it, but... And they probably um, weren't, like, Nintendo obviously kind of wanted to get out of that uh, mm-hmm. that scene because they were losing just sports wise as we as we we saw uh, with the Wii. Yeah, it's probably it. It was just a just a short term agreement that Nintendo had with Ukes, and then yeah. they moved on to being more of like a, a multi platform developer. I know uh, the soundtrack, of course, for mm-hmm. Dave Reckoning had Breaking Benjamin on it. Yes. Uh, and Zebrahead. <laughs> and, and Zebrahead. Did it have a? I don't know if it was Dave Reckoning or Dave Reckoning Two at Alter Bridge. The. Yep. The, the aftermath of Creed. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure which one that was. Dave Reckoning 2 had a dark halo on it, which I listened to them and like, oh man, they're just a complete mix of Breaking <laughs> Benjamin and Day to Remember. Like very heavy, like very just stereotypical rock, very mid-2000s, which these soundtracks are so good. Uh, oh, Ultra Bridge, just, just to let everyone know here, uh, it was on Day of Reckoning 2. Uh, the, uh, I don't know what song was on here, actually. Oh, uh, Metalingus. Okay. Yeah, so Metalingus was on, uh, Dave Reckoning 2, but it was also on, get this, 16 different WWE games. Oh my god. 16. And we'll go through them all. SmackDown vs. Raw, 06 to uh, to 11, so that's 6 right there. Uh, WWE All-Stars, WWE 12, WWE 13. WWE 2K14 all the way to WWE 2K20. It is on basically every WWE game since Day of Reckoning 2. Wow. Good for them. I feel like Alter Bridge and, and WWE fans are like the similar demographic. <laughs> yeah. like there's a lot of crossover. It's one and the same. Though, <laughs> the Venn diagram is a circle. All do- yeah. All jokes aside, though, Mark, Mark Tremonti is a fantastic guitar player. Like he's He's really, really good, but... But yeah, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah. They are on Madden NFL 2005 as well, which uh, I don't. I think we failed to uh, bring that up. So well, we're we're fixing the past now, Mike. <laughs> the um, the one thing that I feel like I'm leading this show now for for day for day of reckoning. Uh, one thing that just took up so much time. I felt like it take up it took up much more time than any other game was creating a character. Mm. Like you could create a character and you could spend hours on them because you'd have to create all the different move sets like oh like the move what like what they're how they grapple what do they do when they grapple what do you do when you grapple and you hit down a or a b or up a and what do you do when they're in the corner and when you're on the top ropes and all this stuff and i think you had like nine finishers or something crazy like that as well too for again all those different positions and then you also had to make your entrance and then you had to you know 
design your costume and everything and also you know design your player and they all look like gargoyles by the end of it like <laughs> <laughs> i think this is uh this is one of those games that kind of was heavily influenced by thug in that sense in terms of the customization aspect you know where in thug you can just do so much stuff right everything is customizable so in 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 day of reckoning it's like okay let's make everything customizable but for a wrestling game like a a, a player doesn't really want that i mean maybe people do but i don't know i think you and me harrison wouldn't love to sit on a customizing screen for an hour and just make your player like i like making them look goofy that's about it i would think like as a as a kid you know you really get into it and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna make them have a cool entrance and they're gonna ride in a in a low rider like eddie guerrero and then when they when they get in there they're gonna crush beers like stone cold and give the finger <laughs> and then they're also gonna you know do a tombstone and the walls of jericho and a stunner and like i feel like you know it's as a kid you're you think it's great but i guess probably being a teenager and and now just being a little bit older than a teenager i'd probably get i'd probably get kind of sick and tired of it i'd probably want just like it's like okay i don't really want to create like the moves when like what he's going to do when someone's in the corner and and everything like i just want to like create like a cool couple cool specials like other couple cool grapples and other things like that too and the rest i'm just going to use the hammer anyways or like a steel chair or something like that so exactly yeah 2005 is when custom uh, player customization was starting to get a little bit too far and i think it is still way out of way out of hand with certain games and stuff like that like i remember the what was it bloodborne i think one of one of the games where there was like way too much customization in those dark souls games with like the size of your eyebrows oh yeah i mean that's that's yeah that's just that's all games nowadays yeah yeah it's too much but anyway i'd also like to say on day of reckoning 2 we have john cena and triple h in the background with another diva front and center uh stacy uh stacy keebler keebler that's right oh she uh i uh, love stacy keebler definitely one of my first crushes she uh she uh, dated george clooney for a while yeah and she looks good she's 40 years old yeah, she, she looks aged, great she aged great compared to like other mm-hmm. divas but and and chris benoit but Ooh, oh, wow okay well we're just gonna keep bringing up chris benoit and in the, on that note let's move on to uh, a ufc game and yes there was a ufc game for gamecube which is really weird there was a ufc game for gamecube in the year 2002 more specifically june 3rd 2002 developed by opus published by crave entertainment it was also on ps2 this game was not bad it reviewed in the sevens which is good uh today it would be priced at about 15 bucks so it's not a very expensive game to find um, the game features UFC fighter Tito Ortiz and the late Charles Lewis Jr., better known as The Mask, uh, the founder of the Tap Out brand. Uh, mm-hmm. The full roster includes 28 UFC fighters. Yeah, and like, so it just, I think just to talk about it, like, there was a UFC game for GameCube. Uh, it's uh, just it, it, it kind of boggled my mind. Uh, I showed it to a friend of the show, Jake, who uh, who couldn't make it today, uh, and he was really uh, like perplexed by this when he saw the list of GameCube games. He's like, "What? There was a UFC game for for GameCube?" And you know, UFC really didn't become super popular until uh, maybe like late two uh, thousands uh early 2010s yeah, that sounds about right yeah. so so this is a like a pretty early time to have a a game like this and then on the gamecube it's very strange uh i know it's obviously very early into the gamecube's life uh cycle so and we know nintendo was going for the more mature audiences of, uh, at this point uh, in the gamecube era so i mean it makes sense to have it it just is is surprising that it's here <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's really strange. Uh, that's all I can really say about it. I don't know. Like they still make UFC games today. Obviously, it's it's one of those annualized sports franchises that come out like clockwork on the calendar every year, and they review pretty well, usually around the sevens and eights. So there's a huge fan base for UFC fighting, just like wrestling. Um, yeah, I don't. I've never played a UFC game before. That's never really been a sport that's n- even remotely interested me. Um, the the UFC uh, the UFC Throwdown is like. It would appeal to, like, certain people who like the wrestling games, but they want more, like, less stupid stuff and more, like, reality-based gaming, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and so UFC Throwdown does a pretty good job of it. It clearly just, like, was one of the first UFC games ever made, and so it took a while to actually kind of get better. Uh, because the UFC games are relatively well reviewed. This UFC one and two, I believe that that and three that kind of came out uh, in like the I think 2015, 2016 uh, era, uh, and so it's a cool like UFC is actually something that I would be down to play. I think it's like I would have more fun playing UFC games and watching it. But yeah, it's um I know I don't have too much to say about UFC Throwdown. Harrison, do you have anything for this other than things about Chris Benoit? No, I don't have much to say about it. I wasn't I didn't really watch UFC when I was when I was younger, like, cause you know, UFC is fake and wrestling is real. Not really. It was, All it right. Was, that's fine. It was published by ACE and uh, TDK. Uh, and because TD, TDK was in the news recently, actually, what did they do? Did they get bought? I think they got bought. What are you talking about? Uh, TDK take two licensing. Thanks. The UFC throwdown. Yeah. That was published by Crave. Oh, I'm reading take two. Yep, you are. All right, well, we can transition now to a game that we can talk about, can we? Uh, yes, we can. Well, okay. I, but Neil, I thought we covered all the wrestling games for the GameCube. No, Mike, there's still one wrestling game left on the Nintendo <gasps> GameCube that we haven't yet covered. Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee. Yo! Which was released on October 8th, 2002, developed by Pipeworks Software. If you've never heard of them, no one else has either. <laughs> Published by Infogrames, also on Xbox. The PlayStation 2 was planned, but it was canceled. Haha. <laughs> uh, also known as Godzilla Domination for the Game Boy Advance. Reviews in the 8s, which is underrated. Uh, today, it would be priced at about $45. Now, this is the only wrestling game, not a wrestling game, but we're calling it one, on the Nintendo GameCube that I have any sort of memory with. I played this game back in the day uh, at a friend's house. We rented it from Block Buster for one weekend. We played it nonstop for that weekend, and I couldn't shut up about it. Unfortunately, I can never find a used copy until about a year ago. So at 25 years old, I found a copy of <laughs> Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee, and I bought it for the Nintendo GameCube, and it is such a good game. Harrison, you've played this game, right, Mike? I don't know if you have any experience. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get copyright strike for this. That's the cutscene music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look! <laughs> this game was so much fun. Oh, it, it's so much fun, it's dude. It's so- such a good game, and it's it, it's criminally underrated if it's only getting eights. Uh, I know I, I played it as a kid a little bit, had a similar experience as Neil. You played it, I'm assuming. Yeah, Harrison. I played it as well, too. Um I had a very similar experience to Neil. I know my brother and I, we rented it from probably Blockbusters or, or Rogers Video when they used to uh, give mm. out uh, rent video games. But, oh, man, it was just so much fun. You literally just pick, like, I think there was only, like, seven monsters you could pick from, maybe a little 12. more. Oh, 12? Quite a few. 
Weren't like yeah. four of them though, like different renditions of Godzilla. <laughs> yes, there's Godzilla '90s, which is the one I always played at as, and I think there's Mecha Godzilla. Yep. Uh, and this is just me from memory. And there's uh, the the Japanese Godzilla. I forget like what that one's called. Was there Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie? That's 2000. That's Godzilla 2000. Yeah. So there was uh, Angurius, uh, Destroya, Gigan, Godzilla 90s, Godzilla 2000, King, Ghidorah, Mecha King, Ghidorah, Megal- Megalon, uh, Orga, Rodan, and Mecha Godzilla. Obviously missing from this list is Mothra. Yeah, so that's, I mean, Mothra is my favorite. Cancel yeah. the game. <laughs> Mothra was a stage hazard in one of the stages. You could summon Mothra and yeah. do extra damage, kind of like the military would also come in with tanks and planes and stuff. So, unfortunately, Mothra was not a fighting character in this game, which I don't know what you would have done if you put Mothra in the game. Cause, like, <laughs> Mothra the, is sick. Uh, dude, I know, but all the characters in this game have, like, punches, kicks. They use I know, their they're tail. melee. Yeah, yeah they're melee I, I know. You can't have Mothra in this game. So, the gameplay, for those of for those of the listeners that haven't played this game, if you've played Soul Calibur, it's a lot like that. It's, uh, yeah. it's all on a single plane. You only fight from the front and the back if you can somehow get around the other character. But yeah, you're fighting as just giant monsters in a city, kind of like Pacific Rim style. Um, the game is just very stupid. You're just destroying the city. You're like picking up buildings and stuff and throwing it at each other, trying to decrease the other uh, your opponent's uh, health to zero. We Harrison there played the opening music from the uh, the the music from the opening, which the opening for this game is one of the best openings for any game I've ever played. <laughs> it's Godzilla, Gigan, and Megalon destroying the city. Uh, they're they're fighting. They're like just. And, and then, like, they're just about to hit, and then it just says, Godzilla, destroy all monsters melee. And the music is so cheesy, but it's such a good opening. It's, like, on par with Smash Bros. Melee. A lot of melees on GameCube. I'm surprised that they got away with that that name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they're, like, I, I guess they can't really copyright that. No, but, and I guess uh, it came out before, wait, it came out October 8th, 2002. So, yeah, about a year later, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it, this this game is is so much fun. It, like looking back on it now, it's really silly mm-hmm. for sure. And it's like watching gameplay. It's like clearly things have gotten better. But there's something about this like era of games and just how ridiculous this was. And it was ridiculous in a cool way too. Yeah. It wasn't ridiculous in like a stupid BMX triple X way. <laughs> it was it was genuinely and still is very fun to play mm-hmm. because the developers kind of just let you do whatever and you just like. As a kid, imagine playing a game where you can fight King Ghidorah and just smash buildings everywhere and pick up Godzilla. Yeah. Like, oh, it's great. <laughs> it's just stupid fun. But it, and it controls really well. Like, it was easy yeah. for me. I think I was eight when I first, or I guess not. I would have been nine when I first played this game. Uh, it was just easy to pick up and play. Like, A is punch, B is kick. Like, you have a tail attack. You have a super powered attack. Uh, it's just, and then, yeah, you just destroy buildings and, and do stupid stuff for a few minutes. It's it's very easy to, to just understand for young and old alike and they haven't done anything like this since like there, there's no there, there aren't too many big monster fighting games this might have been one of the last ones i can't think of any that's why game our movies like pacific rim and the godzilla movies are are really well liked but then they don't come out with any video games based on them which is a shame because i would love a remake or not a remake i'd just love a new version of this type of game you know there i think there was like an actual mode in the game where you could like the, the point of that of that specific mode was to destroy the city like nothing else mm-hmm. you're not even fighting anybody you're like you just have to destroy the city and the, the destruction of like the buildings was like not bad for 2002 no, and like and like as a kid too you're just like oh yeah i just destroyed a building yeah woo and you're like freaking out well we talked about this in tony hawk underground 2 uh, when we were talking about it in the tony hawk episode that there's very few times in these kind of games where you were able to destroy buildings and like destroy environments around you and 
Tony Hawk Two uh, Underground Two is one of the first times I got to destroy like stuff uh, and like like interact with my environment, and um, and just kind of now like looking back on on Godzilla, I'm like, oh yeah, I could, I also you could do it here, and that was pretty cool in 2002 uh, to to be able to do that. You really couldn't do that before. No, and you could pick many different cities around the world. Well, not really around the world. Uh, the states and Japan, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's L.A., London, Osaka, Tokyo, San Francisco, Seattle. And then you could go to Monster Island, Vortac, Mothership. And then the Xbox version actually had some extra stuff, which sucks. But they had a boxing ring, which you could fight in. And the Vortac Homeworld, which was kind of cool. But I didn't play. I never played the Xbox version. I, I, the, I almost exclusively played in San Francisco because when I played this, I, I was going to my, my aunt's, uh, place in San Fran. So it was very cool to me to like see San Fran, uh, shown in a video game like this. Was it accurate to San Francisco? Uh, yeah, I think it was. All the buildings were destroyed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's about, that's about the same as regular San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Monster I... Island is just a name. It's actually a peninsula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, Jeez. The, the, the King Kong game, which we'll talk about at some point in this in this podcast, uh, many episodes down the, down the line, but do you guys know if that is anything close to this? Because that's the only thing I can think of. No, King Kong was a game that was like a campaign story and everything. It's not a fighting game. Uh, mm. Yeah. Well, it's more it. like, I think it's actually more like Torok. Like, if I had to compare it to something, it's more like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going through Kong Island, and you're fighting dinosaurs and giant bugs and stuff like that. Skull Island. Skull, Skull Island. Island. Sorry, not Kong Island. Whatever. Godzilla is so much better, and the 2000 Matthew Brother Godzilla movie is underrated. Fight me. <laughs> Change so, my mind. Change my mind. So this game is, is one of the games where, and I, everyone has experienced this, where... You've played with someone and they've totally either like raged quit or just freaked out or or anything like that. So I went up to um, a cottage and it was like raining. And because again, that was the only time we could play video games at the cottage if it was crappy out. Mm-hmm. And we went to the cottage next door to us. We kind of like knew our neighbors. And the one kid was just like, oh, I got Godzilla Destroy All Monsters and, and everything. And my brother was like, okay, yeah, we'll play it. And my brother and I have already rented it, and we already played it, so we kind of knew how it worked, but I guess this was, like, his first time playing, and we absolutely just destroyed him every time. (laughs) He was so pissed off that he actually opened up the GameCube, like, didn't even turn the power off, opened up the GameCube or whatever, and then just took the game and he ran out screaming and just started crying. (laughs) My brother and I are looking at him, like, what the hell did we do? And, uh... Yeah, that I've never seen that kid ever since. I don't know what happened to him. If if he's in therapy, I I feel terrible, but also not at the same time. <laughs> I, and we know that's a cardinal sin to open your GameCube while it's still on. That's just that's, disgusting. That's, I know that guy. Yeah, what a mess. And I what hope that mess. he and I hope that he used that secret little button there in the middle of the GameCube that you're supposed to pop to eject the disc properly, and he didn't just pry it off the GameCube like some kind of cretin. Oh, he he probably <laughs> did. Mm. Uh, not a fan uh, of that uh, <laughs> all right well while harrison's friend is slowly deteriorating inside of a mental institution uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna read the back of the case now You're like please don't yeah, call please him don't, a friend please don't refer to him as a friend <laughs> anyway four player fighting mayhem six real world cities and monster island just to make sure people know that monster island isn't real <laughs> six modes of play including melee versus survival adventure team battle and destruction which destruction would be the version where it's just you get to destroy a city for fun. Yep. And that's all that's, that's on all. the back of that case. 
I like that. That's Short and sweet. Yeah, I love it. And there's also a uh, website on the back of the case. Obviously, it is <laughs> www.godzillaoncube.com. I did check. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I was just going to look it up, too. But, oh, dang. Its uh, site cannot be reached. <sighs> Very sad. So there's another one that bites the dust. Obviously, this joins the, uh, the uh, Tony Hawk Underground, where you can send your picture to a PlayStation <laughs> email, and they'll send you the code to make your character. That doesn't exist either. So, all right. Do you guys want to buy the domain? Ooh, I'd be down. <laughs> Let's see how much it is, and then we'll talk. Yeah. And before we put this game to bed, obviously Mike hasn't asked me what my favorite wrestler is this episode because my favorite wrestler would be Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla, mm-hmm. fair. That's yeah. fair. So yeah. I got a yeah. question. Since this is a, a melee game, when is Godzilla going to be in Smash? Uh, you know what? That's a great question, Harrison. And I think I would say Godzilla 2000 will be in soon. Okay. I'm, so I'm... there'll be a new announcement coming from uh, from Sakurai. Yeah, I'm hoping soon. for uh, yeah. for. Godzilla 2000, um, Fred Durst, and Chris Benoit as uh, unlockable characters. <laughs> yeah, the, the holy trinity right there. Be fantastic. The holy trinity of 2002. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We really appreciated your insight into these wrestling games and everything else. Uh, and Chris Benoit. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. uh, uh, thank you for bringing up Spider-Man three times. And no worries. That's for Neil. I know how much of a big Spidey fan that guy oh, is. I love Spider-Man 2000, dude. So good. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, well, glad to be on as always. And I'm glad that I'm the, the unofficial uh, third member, kind of, sort of. Not really. You're the mascot. Yeah. You and you and Victor <laughs> share the third chair because Victor's technically been in Victor's been in every episode. So. Technically, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll take the small cameo role. You're like the Very Newman. Good. You're like the Newman of. Oh yeah, shit! I don't want to be Newman. Can I be Bob? You don't want to be Wayne Knight. No, I want to be Bob Sacramento. Can I be oh, Bob yeah, Sacramento? You, but we know so you're you. just not here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here. People just know about me. Jackie Charles, you can be the Jackie Charles. Oh, Jackie oh Charles. I'll take Jackie Charles. Jackie Charles is a great character to be. Okay, good. Your face take- is my case. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Harrison. And with that, we sign Harrison off. What a lovely... What a nice young man. Yeah, what a nice young man. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a fun episode. That was a fun episode, and as we do for every compilation episode, and we talk about, you know, uh, our favorite games here, what we think was the best. And Neil, are there any games on this list that you think are must-pickups for GameCube collectors? Yeah, Godzilla Destroys All Monsters should be picked up by every single uh, GameCube owner. And I guess if you're if you have an Xbox, buy that too. Um, obviously we fit that one in because we didn't know where else to put it. It doesn't really count as a wrestling game. <laughs> but it's like, it's honestly close enough. It's fine. So, it's fine. Yeah. So I, that would be my obvious. Fight us. Uh, th- th- yeah, fight <laughs> us about it. That would be my one pick. But if I had to pick an actual wrestling game, like with The Rock and Steve, Steve Austin and whatnot, I'd probably go with one of the Day of Reckoning games, probably the first one, just because it sounds like a cool campaign and GameCube exclusive. Sounds like it was a lot of fun. So I'd probably go with Day of Reckoning 1 if I had to pick. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same thing as you in terms of Godzilla Destroy All Monsters is probably one of the best games for the GameCube mm-hmm. that not, not enough people talk about. Yeah, very underrated. And so I think everyone should should pick that game up if you can find it. I know it sometimes can be difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for rest, the actual wrestling games, um, I would actually say WrestleMania 18. Mm-hmm. Um, X8 would be would be my pick. Uh, it's It's a pretty good game. It's well done. It's got good ratings. And uh, WrestleMania 18 was in Toronto. Yeah. So, which you which know. we record this uh, podcast from, exactly. So I feel like I need to need to pick that one, okay. Uh, just just because of that Toronto connection. Cool. That sounds pretty good. Hopefully, the listeners can go out there and find those games at their local shop. Uh, before we sign off on this episode, I just want to point out, Mike, we've done twenty of these episodes now, and uh, I don't know why I thought of this, but we have never had to pause for a bathroom break. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty cool. We're not here for that long. 
<laughs> I mean, like, we record for sometimes like two hours. Some of these episodes, which fair, we fair edit enough, now. But, but we but we get so we get so involved. Yeah, but in do, it, you know, do you ever listen to a podcast and like they have to break for a bathroom break? It's like really uh, has that happened? In oh, one I've, of the I've, I've, not, listened I've listened to podcasts where they like they don't pause, but like they're like I have to go to the bathroom and then they cut ahead two minutes and then they're back. I don't know why you wouldn't just cut oh. the whole thing out. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean we haven't had to do that yet, which is very good. no. We never we never leave the mic unless we need to go pick up a GameCube case. We're like Harrison and his brother watching Ratatouille. We never leave the seat. <laughs> Anyway, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect for episode 20 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. So, episode 20. Now, 20 episodes. That's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will be talking about the Crash Bandicoot games for the GameCube. Uh, And these three games are Crash Bandicoot Wrath of Cortex, Crash Nitro Kart, and Crash Tag Team Racing. Spoiler alert, all these games are bad. And... We don't want to just show you these games and talk about them for an hour and a half. We actually will be talking about Crash Bandicoot games in general, mm-hmm. as obviously some of the most famous ones uh, are before this era. And uh, we're going to get some uh, friends on the podcast and just talk about uh, their memories of Crash, because um, things like Crash Nitro Kart, you know, that's uh, so many people, apply, or not Crash Nitro Kart, uh, what's a CTR, mm-hmm. uh, Crash Team Racing, uh, the, the good one. Uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny how so many people have played that game, and uh, and everyone has a different story and different memory of it, so we're just going to be talking about Crash in general and uh, and spending a little bit of time on the GameCube ones. Yeah, I mean, Crash is one of those big mascots from the 90s that we can't not talk about. If we only talked about the 2000s Crash, I feel like we'd be doing that franchise a disservice. Um, Agreed. Yeah, me being an N64 kid, I don't have a ton of nostalgia for the franchise. I do like it. I've played the new games and everything like that. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to go back and talk about the history of the franchise and get some guests on like we always do. So uh, until then, uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And uh, hopefully you have a great week. Yeah, and we're on Instagram, as we uh, always say. We're on the Spotify's. We're on everything else. Mm-hmm. And check us out. And if you're listening to a different service, then you're wrong. That's right. Get on a service <laughs> that everyone else listens to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. F. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. Product of what happens when you think inside the box. Okay.